Hello, and welcome to the Over the Barricade podcast. I am your host, Ryan Downing, joined, as always, by my tag team partner. Not necessarily as always, but he is in studio this week. It's the deadliest catch, Lee Brando. I have no snare in my headphones. You have no snare in your headphones? I'm no- <laughs> it was an Eminem reference, but I also have no sound in my headphones. None at all? None at all. So, do you want to give me a second? I can't hear you talking, even though you're two feet next to me. Not even. There we go. <laughs> I didn't even know we had started recording, to be honest. We we are indeed. Did you just start with me randomly saying about how I haven't slept in five days? or? Yes. Is that on there? <laughs> no, I had you muted. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. I waited <sighs> for you to to pause. So that I could start. Welcome to the last Over the Barricade podcast episode of 2017. How does it feel, Ryan? We've done this for like, I don't know, nine months? I mean, I feel like we're not going to top our last couple episodes where we got some decent decent listens and some cool shout-outs. We did. We did. Well... This this, this is our year-end episode extravaganza. Our year-end extravaganza <laughs> i was curious what where you were gonna dig in your vocabulary to pull that uh, to pull out a synonym for the well, word extravaganza clearly i scratched the bottom of the barrel there of my vocabulary and pulled out that one so that's about as far as it goes ryan but i'm happy to be here we've got a big week coming up with wrestle kingdom and uh, I guess we'll start to head into uh, Royal Rumble season. Uh, the 25th anniversary of Raw is coming up at the end of January, even though it's technically the middle of January, but they're holding off a week or two to do it. Um, but let, let's let's not jump into next year just yet, because last week on this very show, in this very ring, you said that we were going to do year-end awards without consulting you <laughs> we well we booked it we said it on the air so we have to do it right that's how the wwe operates if they say they're going to do something they do it when they say they're going to do it and how they say they're going to do it i feel like the wwe doesn't do that i feel like you sarcasm. just made things up <laughs> it was sarcasm remember when there was supposed to be um the the uh resolution to fashion files like 12 weeks in a row now it's on dot com and now no one can watch it except for the snippets they care to show you on tv yes anyway um so you want to uh you want to take it away with the year-end awards i guess we'll start with that well two things we want to accomplish today um i think you've mentioned them both but i'm going to do it again just because i'm not sure because i was reading as you were talking drive the point home um, we are going to accomplish two things today. We've got our uh, Wrestle Kingdom final preview. We've talked about it off and on in the past few weeks as the card has been put together. Uh, it is officially, officially official at this point. Uh, very few questions left except for what's going to happen on that day, uh, how these matches going to go. We'll talk about that, but first, we'll go through our... Uh, year-end discussion i guess it were because we're not really giving out awards we don't we don't we're not that kind of podcast nobody's getting mailed anything you're not going to hear acceptance speeches um it's not the slammies no 
Um, but Owen Hart was a two-time Slammy Award winner. Yes. Um, to the point where he actually had the Slammys. That's, that's why they say he's the, one of the best of all times. No other reason. Just, just that he won two Slammy Awards. That's why he's a legend. Well, I mean, he did make it a part of his ring, at- ring attire for a good while. That's true. Um, I think what we should probably do before we go into the best and the worst of 2017 is go over some of the things that happened in 2017. Sounds good. Um, let let us start with who uh, who who was released. Oh, start on a downer. Okay, can only get better from here. <laughs> Um, Who lost their job in 2017? Well, we primarily want to stick with WWE because it's a little harder with the other promotions as far as coming and going. And True. You don't know exactly who's actually finished up their run with somewhere, or you know, you don't really hear too many amicable splits except for maybe uh, Alberto El Patron and Global Force Wrestling, which I'm still not sure exactly what's going on with him and Impact. Um I don't think anyone is. So, impact in general. Um, we. That being said, let's run through some of the uh, departures, specifically with WWE. Um, uh, there weren't very many this year compared to years past. Uh, no, some developmental names left at different points, but primarily, as far as the, the main roster, you really didn't get a decent name. I say that, um, you know, you don't really get a big name. Big in quotes until March. Um, Rosa Mendez retired, which I forgot about entirely. Um, yeah. Back it, in February, it does make me worry that this only means that there's going to be an above-average call next year, probably following WrestleMania. Probably, given the talent sizes or the roster size, I should say, is continually growing in the uh, in the big promotion. Um, did you remember that Kenny and Mikey of the Spirit Squad were under WWE contract for a while? I did, yeah. They had that thing with Ziggler. As of February 25th, they were no longer there. Um, they Jack, are sorely missed. Jack Swagger, uh, who might be one of the biggest names, who, well, is one of the biggest names on this list, um, hasn't yeah. done a ton, although he has he has made some indie runs. And he's um, announced his MMA intentions. MMA, and I believe that would put him square in the crosshairs of uh, Impact, um, if I remember correctly. The interesting thing, did you see, the? Uh, I believe it was last week, Dave Batista posted a picture of his face, and he had a big old shiner around his left eye, and uh, he posted that on Instagram, basically saying, uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Jack Swagger. So I guess they've been training together, and uh, Jack... Got a little too, little too uh, happy there. Well, little, I mean, a little too excited. Well, that does happen when you're training or MMA, Jake. especially if you're actually training uh, MMA as opposed to just doing it as a hobby. Um, Simon Gotch was released, yes. one half of the VOD villains. Remember, they were a big deal coming up in 2016. Promptly died in the mid card. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, Aiden English has made the most out of it. Um, Simon Gotch going on the indies as uh, Simon Grimm, I want to say. Haven't heard a ton about him either. Um, Tajiri, who was back under WWE contract for some time, I didn't realize he was. Uh, Cruiserweight Classic, right? Yes. So I think that's probably where it started and then just kind of fizzled out. 
Uh, released back in April. Um, just going to skip a few to get down. Austin Aries, which I think was the most surprising of the releases of the year. I think you've got kind of a two-way two -way tie for that. If you Aries being released after being in a title uh, feud for four or five months was very surprising. I can't... Did he... Uh... Did he actually gain the NXT title? Or no, he never. He never won it. But nope. He was he was getting to that picture. Then gets his orbital bone. Um, it's the anonymous Raw GM. <laughs> it, apparently, uh, um, he gets his orbital bone crushed. Uh, not unlike Brian Kendrick this past week on Monday Night Raw, but we'll get to that later. Um, it does commentary for a while, is wearing the sunglasses to cover up, and uh, then has this really good run on 205 Live where it was actually pretty interesting to, to watch. Of course, he gets the pre-show match at WrestleMania, which, you know, it was what it was. It was a good match, but the fact that it wasn't on the main card, you know, was what it was. And then, um, you know, I guess, according to him, you know, Creative had nothing for him, and so it's just like, all right, see you down the road. Bye. Yeah, so Aries leaves, which works out for him. He goes back to the uh, independent scene, which has served him very well. Obviously, he's on a card that we are going to, uh, well, you're going to be a part of. I'm going to be there. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, that's coming up in February, February 16th. We'll plug it every week. Why not? It's going to be a big show. It's uh, James Ellsworth Return to indie wrestling glenn burney um also on the show jerry the king lawler austin aries as you mentioned gilberg all your adrenaline championship wrestling favorites including your yours truly in the flesh baby thunderlips not adam cole lee brando hashtag thunderlips not adam cole um and then we have a little bit of a lull. Uh, again, there was a decent amount of time. There wasn't really a big cull. Like a, he, a, a cull lull? A cull lull. It was a cull lull. A lull of cull. Um, then we got a trio of releases all at the same time that were newsworthy for a few different reasons at a few different moments. I remember this day, and I was like, oh, no, it's, it's happening. You know, like that, that gif of uh, <laughs> Kurt Angle during the... Second supposed SmackDown invasion. It's happening. It's happening. Emma, Darren Young, and Summer Rae were all released on the same day. Um, all three, to some extent, getting some backstage love from the other performers, specifically Emma and Summer Rae. Yeah. But big stink. Uh, the the big issue, of course, rising out of that was the Leo Rush scandal. Um, I don't know if I would call it a scandal. I would call it a faux pas. Faux pas would probably be the correct word. Now your vocabulary is in action. Yes. <laughs> Just takes a few minutes. Um, and uh, parlez du français. No idea. Sawyer Fulton and Leo Gao released uh, November 3rd. Bigger, more on the NXT side of things because, uh, obviously, Sawyer Fulton and Leo Gao were two prospects that were coming up. Uh, Leo Gao in particular because he was signed out of a tryout in Hong Kong, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was he was the first uh, Chinese-born WWE signee, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. And, and I saw him, actually, at an NXT show, and I, I was impressed. He needed some work, but I was impressed. I hope it works out for him. He's, he's actually 
got pretty good size all the way around. You know, yeah. for a guy, you figure WWE would fall in love with him. Maybe they just didn't see the development they needed. Well, you know, all these people, it's it's just a temporary thing. You know, like something Austin Aries told me a while ago, they'll tell you no ten times, but you just has to you just have to ask eleven. Uh, those weren't his exact words, but it was something along those lines. And you know, if Leo Gao had he's young, you know, he has the size, the look, he's got the the Chinese-born international flavor to him. You know, if he's got all that, then I'm sure it's just a no for now, not a no forever. Yeah, and um, you you hope that uh, just the the diversity aspect of it, just being able to say you had a Chinese, um, a Chinese superstar, which I'm sure is what they wanted, but that's not what happened. Um, but still, plenty of time left to go. There's there's some talent that's coming out of that um, out of that region that's certainly very interesting to say the least. Um, all right, so let's well, hold on. There's there's one last release. That... Well, yes, I'm getting there. Okay, and of course, the most recent release of the year was uh, the someone we talk about a decent amount on this show for various different reasons. One James Ellsworth released on the 15th of November. Yes, and uh, he will be at that show, like I mentioned. So come out to that show. It's you're not you're you're gonna see multiple. Uh, you know, recent WWE names, Jerry the King Lawler, Austin Aries, James Ellsworth, me, not that I was in the WWE, but um, <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll see it. You'll see it come. Anyway, moving on. What else happened in 2017, Ryan? Uh, I'm just going through some of the top I've rated. Got some, I got some stuff if you want to uh, if you want to buy time for a minute. Well, no, I, I actually wanted to talk about some of the biggest matches of the year. Okay, um, okay. We saw some really good matches and something that... Um, I, I will say one of the biggest things of 2017 was match quality. Just unlike any other year, I don't know if for the rest of my life we'll have another year like 2017 as far as in-ring, you know, high-profile matches go. Even even lower down the card, I mean, there were some amazing tag matches this year. Um, and not only in WWE, some of you know the best matches. I think everyone would agree took place in New Japan. A lot of great matches took place in Ring of Honor. Of course, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla always delivers. So, you know, I think just from a match quality standpoint, this year was crazy. And what would have been, uh, there were multiple would be matches of the year that took place this year that won't be match of the year because they were just more common yeah the um interesting interesting look at some of the top matches of the year um one of the interest it a lot of guy, a lot of people will go by Meltzer uh Dave Meltzer's ratings um uh, his five star rating has been used who'd he ever beat <laughs> I'm just kidding um well he is kind of the the um oh, what's the word I'm looking for the aficionado as it were the expert on these match ratings and most of the time listen whether or not you like a match it's a subjective it's a very subjective uh event a very subjective activity but that being said 
a lot of people look at these and see, okay, you know what? That was a really good match, for the most part, unless you're Jim Cornette. <laughs> Jim Cornette really hates some of these matches. Um, anywho, uh, let's go through them. Obviously, the two biggest matches of the year happened actually in New Japan. Uh, as the far, same two guys. With the same two guys. Um in January and June, respectively. Yeah. Uh, the Wrestle Kingdom 11 matchup for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship between Kazuchika Okada, Kenny Omega, January 4th. We may have had our match of the year candidate just four days into the year, which, ironically, the year before, something very similar happened between Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles for the Intercontinental Championship, not to discredit what was the main event of that particular year with also featured okada yeah um between the two which do you think is better between the two omega okada matches omega okada so um the i so the second omega okada match happened at dominion in june and this match ended up being a 60 minute draw 60 minute time limit draw which we have not seen one of these in a major promotion in ages mainly because i think most people are horrified at the idea just with this is an era where high flying flips short matches that have a lot of speed and agility where you had a match where two guys were it wasn't a slow match by any means it felt like a very standard 2017 pace for a main event in new japan however they did that for an hour and you actually had seen that match before I did. And when we watched it, it was my first time seeing it. And I legitimately didn't realize they were going to go the full hour until about five minutes left in the match. Yeah. So for 55 minutes, I'm sitting there watching like, all right, well, it's got to come any time now. And then I started thinking, wait a minute, is this going to be a time? Is this going to be a draw? And the way they built to it and the way it worked from start to finish I actually like their second match better than their first one by a hair, which is why Meltzer yeah. gave it the 6.25 out of 5. Broke <laughs> yeah, his own scale. Out of 5. Um, yeah, I have to agree. The Dominion match, the hour-long draw, the pace that they were working, you couldn't tell it was going to be an hour. Even knowing that they went to a draw, the match was still amazing. I think both men... You know, if they hadn't already reached this, you know, you know, I don't even know this, this level, this imaginary plateau, this tier where they're above all the rest, this prestigious, you know, ranking in January, they definitely solidified that in June. And I would have to say the Dominion match for me, not only was better of the two, but for me, that was the match of the year for 2017 across all promotions and all countries. Um, now, that doesn't mean there weren't a lot of contenders. I see you over there with a with a list of contenders. You know, maybe we should maybe we should cut WWE a, a small break and say what was WWE's best match of the year. Um, that that might be uh, an easier thing to do than to compare what they have against what new japan did yeah most of what would be considered the top end of this spectrum 
would be, as far as WWE goes, happened in the first six or seven months of the year. Uh, yeah. The majority of what you would call their best matches happened between January and end of June. So let's go through a couple of them, and one that I think a lot of people actually would very much say is one of the best main, well, main event-worthy matches of the year, and that actually happened... WWE's best match of the year might have also happened in January. Yeah. Cena versus Styles for the WWE title at the Rumble. Um, tied for Meltzer's highest rating for WWE this year with 4.75, which he gave out two or three times. Um, this match, though, was really, really, really good. This was uh, Cena's 16th championship reign to tie with the WWE's account of Ric Flair. Um, yeah, I remember this match, and I remember, like, seeing Okada Omega 1, and then going into Royal Rumble, and seeing Styles, Cena, and going, this is the first month of the year. This year is going to be insane. And it largely held up to that. It had some pretty good main events. Um, but yeah, I would have to say... This is this would probably be for me. I can think of two or three other matches. I can think of, you know, Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne. I can think of the five way, at um, what was that? Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules. We were there for that. I can think of that, and I can think of probably, you know, Lesnar Styles. Those are all in the top contending. Uh, I don't know between. Cena Styles and Lesnar Styles. Probably Cena Styles. I would have to go for for WWE's best match of the year, but it's a it's a real real close uh call. I actually have a different contender. Uh I liked Lesnar Styles, but it was not my favorite and I think uh Cena Styles was better. However, and I have it up. Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate their second match. Uh, back in May at NXT TakeOver Chicago, which I don't think anybody really expected this match to shine quite the way it did, but it was an absolute thrilling classic. Uh, these two have such chemistry and are just lightning in the ring. And they do it in a different style. They do much more of what WWE will brand everything as British Strong Style, but this is really that. These are not two yeah. huge guys. Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate are not mega, like, giants by any stretch of the imagination. Mega giants. Mega giants. Uh, isn't that only the great Kali? <laughs> um, but yeah, they're the, not big dudes. Um, and if if you give them a... yeah, I feel like you almost have to give them a small handicap for not being household names um, or even huge names inside wrestling and when you have them put on a match like they did it like they did and if you give them that small handicap then yes they do exceed Cena styles but without that they're just just a, a slit below yeah, I suppose. That would be the only reason that I would probably discredit them, and that's not at their own fault. Um, by the way, Pete Dunne's name will probably be mentioned again sometime later on in this uh, in this, in this this episode. Um, 
oddly enough, the only women's match that made Meltzer's uh, top end of ratings for WWE for the year was Asuka and Ember Moon at uh, TakeOver Brooklyn 3. However, yeah, uh, that was also the match Asuka broke her collarbone in. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot of strong women's matches in, like, August, September, October of last year, of 2016. Mm-hmm. Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell. Uh, the Bailey, Bailey and uh, Sasha Banks last summer. Yeah, the, the False Count Anywhere match. Um, they were all really strong, and then this year, all those all those players—the Sasha Banks, the Bailey, the, even Charlotte—to a great extent, since going to SmackDown, it, they kind of felt like they cooled the Jets on them just a little bit, and I think that took away a lot of the potential heat that you could go have going into these women's matches, and um, you know. There were some pretty big moments. There was the first women's money in the bank, but then they kind of, you know, people thought people weren't so uh, happy with that finish and then doing it again on SmackDown and and all that. So I think they they experimented a little too much with the women's division this year and maybe that cost a lot of the huge build that could make a really strong women's match. There were still great women's performances and the Asuka Ember Moon match certainly is near the top of that list, but you know, I think overall 2017 wasn't as strong as 2016 was for women's wrestling. As far as tag team matches go in uh in the WWE, there were some very good matches all the way around, but the only team that's on the, on this list twice of four and a half stars or better is the Authors of Pain. Mm-hmm. Um, they, of uh, course, in their matchup at NXT TakeOver Orlando, WrestleMania weekend, between DIY, Authors of Pain, and The Revival, which was a really good triple threat tag team match, and then their War Games match, yeah. uh, where it was Authors of Pain and Roderick Strong taking on the Undisputed Era, Bay Bay, and... The uh, tag Adam team champion, Cole, not Thunderlips, um, and the tag team champion Sanity. That was a really good match. That was a good match, but I wasn't as you know. I don't know. A lot of people love that War Games match, but I was like, it's it's good, but it's not great. You know, it's not the best match I've ever seen. Um, it was cool that they did it. Maybe have it as a once a year NXT thing. Um, but I wouldn't put that as the top tag match of the year. Um, I mean, there's so many contenders out there. There's so many Usos matches that I can think of. I mean, even recently to that four-way at Clash of Champions. That which, got a 4.25. Which, you know, got a 4.25. But for all the parts going into that, I think they really pulled it off well. I agree. Uh, would you would you put the Hell in a Cell tag team match between the Usos and the New Day on that list? I would, but it wouldn't be my match of the year for tag teams. I thought it was, I thought it was creative, and I thought it was brutal, and I thought it was, you know, all the all the good things you could say about a tag team Hell in a Cell match. But I don't know. I I just feel like there were some standard. You know, two on two tag matches that really rocked it this year, and but then again, maybe having a standard classic 
tag team match isn't what gets match of the year anymore. So I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. So what would you say then? Um, what what do you have as your match of the year overall? Overall match of the year: Okada Omega Two and Dominion. Okay, I agree with you. Um, let's go through. I'm trying to pull up some different things so we can have some some different some. Well, well let's run some quick stats while you're doing that. Um, largest attendances of the year. Um, I'll just do the top five because. Well, I'll do the top six because only two of the top six are pro wrestling. All the rest are related, but not pro wrestling per se. So, top attendance of the year was Anthony Johnson versus Vladimir Klitschko. UFC. Uh, it was that's boxing, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Uh, that was in London at Wembley. That was ninety thousand approximately. Um, do they Vince McMahon their numbers too? Uh. I think everybody does to an extent, but not to the extent that WWE does. Uh, second place, 78,000, was in Cardiff, Wales. Uh, Anthony Joshua again versus Carlos Tecum. So Joshua is in the top two biggest attendances for and in the booth for boxing. And from what I know, he is a very good boxer, but not the greatest promotional man. So he's not a Floyd Mayweather type. Uh, but that... But then we go into number three, and that was WrestleMania from Don't Call It Camping World Stadium this year. Um, sixty-five thousand yeah, was the approximate number given by WWE. So you could probably say high 50s, low 60s for that. Main event for that was Undertaker versus Roman Reigns. Um, with Undertaker laying, you know, I'm sure you remember him folding up his jacket and putting his hat on top of it and walking out, seemingly retiring. Possible moment of the year. We'll get there. We'll get there. But, and we'll get to this later, probably too. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk that on that 25th anniversary of Raw, with the Undertaker there, he's going to make the challenge for one last match at WrestleMania. With John Cena. Um, Two years too late. (laughs) um, So fourth and uh, fifth place are boxing. um, 57,000, 51,000. The the drawers here were Mamed uh, Kalidov versus Boris Mankowski. I'm sorry if I'm butchering those names. I believe that's boxing. And then uh, we have Manny Pacquiao versus Jeff Horn. That was in Australia. I watched that fight. It's the only <laughs> boxing match I've seen all year long. Yeah, so there's lots of boxing. And then sixth place, which I'll... which I'll, Well, I'll go one more. Sixth place was the Royal Rumble in San Antonio. With about, uh, the Alamo Dome. The Alamo Dome with about 40,000 people. And the main event was, I believe, the Royal Rumble. Uh, and then right after that, with approximately 36,000 was the January 4th Tokyo Dome show from this year. So in the top seven, we have three wrestling events. We have the biggest New Japan show, the biggest WWE show, and the second biggest WWE show, uh, and then all boxing. Uh, and, of course, the main event to that Tokyo Dome show was Okada Omega, their first meeting. So that's kind of the biggest attendances of the year. Um, we we also have this statistic. uh Thanks to Wrestling Observer. (laughs) 
Uh, most main events drawing more than 10,000 people. Tied in first place for 12 main events drawing more than 10,000 people, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. So, you know, you could say they're the biggest draws of the year. Uh, second place tied in second place for nine, Kevin Owens and Bray Wyatt. Uh, third place is a three-way tie for most main events drawing more than 10,000 people. Seven each to AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and Randy Orton. Fourth place tie for six, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. And this is interesting. Fifth place with only five main events drawing more than 10,000 people, John Cena. Now, he's missed a lot of time this year uh, due to various projects. But for somebody that used to be the main event on every pay-per-view for the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Well, he's a he is supre- superior part-timer at this point. True. He's there to get punched in the face by Elias. True. And yeah. find creative ways to stop CM Punk chance. <laughs> um. So, going through the list a little further. Well, let's we let's um, review buys. That doesn't really matter in wrestling anymore. Let's let's go through and actually do some categories here because we're okay. Let's not we don't we don't want to go too far without getting a chance to actually do this. Um. I don't want to start with like best uh, wrestler of the year because that seems like a terrible place to start. You want to end there. That's your crescendo. Best gimmick of the year. Best gimmick of the year. Do you have something in mind? While I think, if I had, well, I'm 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 gonna try to think. Like it's easy to throw out like broken mat and all that, but Curry man, that really hasn't got off the ground this year. Shark boy. Um. So if you said best gimmick of the year i would have to say can can you say bullet club um or is that too are we we talking about one wrestler or one tag team or can we say stable can we stay uh you know kind of real life character (laughs) you know i don't saying one person traditional sense of the term gimmick if we're going with that then over the entire year of all the gimmicks, I would have to say that 2017 has been... I'm sawing because I'm trying to think. <laughs> 2017 has been... I guess Brock Lesnar. Because his, he's never strayed from the gimmick. Every time he comes, everyone knows what they're going to get. They get it. They're happy. It draws. You know? Hmm. This is tough because I'm trying to go back. It's impossible to think of all of them. Honestly, best gimmick of the year, if you talk about things that somebody got over just on their own. Because, I mean, being the elite grew and got a lot bigger. But that was already kind of there. It just kind of found its its current form and its stride this year. Sure. A gimmick that got somebody over, it kind of almost feels like anything Rusev's doing, but I would say specifically Rusev Day. Because I Day? just watched... The list? An episode... Well, that started in 2016. Sure, but it was, you know... I That's mean, true. I can't, I can't hold it against day. Jericho. Jericho, I mean, still says it, you know, wherever he is this day. Ellsworth was a great gimmick. Yeah. 
that's mostly 2017. And it, well, if you just look at his Carmelo run, yeah, which was pretty much just 2017. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um, I still feel like it's Rusev Day. He's the most over he's ever been. All right, I'll say Lesnar. You say Rusev Day. Lesnar. Rusev Day. Lesnar. Rusev Day. Hurrah. All right, what's the next category? Um, let's see here. How about because this is one that I've been that you and I have kind of had a mild mild disagreement about tag team of the year. Tag team of the year. Tag team of the year. Would you like to? Because I feel like how we define this will go a long way into one of our decisions being more uh, agreeable than the other. Sure. Tag Team of the Year on TV, on in kayfabe, not outside the ring. Tag Team of the Year as far as their character work inside the ring or as part of the product. Do you have one in mind? The Usos. Okay. I and, see your point. Now, that's the reason I have to do that because if you do overall meaning you include everything outside the ring, I don't think you can compete with the Young Bucks. I don't think you can either. But I think if you look at tag team within the scope of professional wrestling instead of what they do outside of that. But even in wrestling, and, and you know, the Young Bucks, if I anything, think there's an argument, the and they're blurring the line between who they really are and who they are in wrestling because I'm not so sure that there's a difference. A Maybe there isn't. You know, um, I would say the Usos for the fact that you look at who had, who has consistently been at the top of wherever they've been. They had a gimmick change early in the year that has carried through. They've had great matches with the New Day, but with other tag teams as well. They have had a couple of really good title runs. They've really not been misused at all throughout this entire year. And they've had one of the more entertaining segments in their promotion in that uh, rap battle they had with the New Day and Wale. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a good argument for the Usos. I just... I Yeah, I'll say the Usos. We'll, we'll agree on that. All right, so, so I guess... There, I don't think there is a... If you want to kind of keep it as far as what they've done in the ring, in and around the ring, but then I guess the argument has to be made on the other side of it. Like you said, have the Bucks blurred the line enough to where everything they are doing is professional wrestling? It's just an extension of it because they have... Instead of having the machine of the WWE, they are making their own hype, and they, are, they have done something that's put them as one of the most over set of talent in the world. I mean, and they have been multiple time tag champions in multiple organizations. My argument is for the young bucks, but I can see where if you cut out the, but it's so hard to, because it's so sewn into the fabric that is the young bucks. But if, if you cut out everything that happens outside of the wrestling arena, like if you cut out being the elite, if you cut out 
the hot topic deal. If you cut out all the social media and Twitter jabs and all this and that, then yeah. I, I mean, if you cut all that out, they're still up near the top, but maybe not the best. But it's so hard, too, because that is all part of it. There's very little that they do outside of wrestling that they don't pull back into the ring, you know? Right. So, for me, if we're if we're broadening the scope, um, I say the Young Bucks. But then, you know, that is unfair because there's there's no reason the Usos wouldn't be doing that if they were allowed to. That's true. Okay. Interesting argument, which is why I wanted to have it. Um, how about best feud? Hmm. Feud? I feel like you're... I, I feel like there's actually... There's... If you look at big name, big kind of money feuds, I feel like there's two. There's, are, we, are we talking like what drew the most money or what was... What do you Most see? Most entertaining. I mean, I don't guess I didn't want to. I don't want to necessarily talk about. Well, how do you talk about pro wrestling without talking about what's drawing? Why not? Why not factor both into your decision? And is this all sports entertainment? Because one would think that the highest drawing feud of the year was McGregor Mayweather for sports entertainment. I would like to stick with in actual professional wrestling. Okay. Um, I mean, because that I don't was work. I, I just don't, want you to know. I, I understand that, but I, I really I don't want to count that simply because it ended in an actual exhibition fight. Maybe, maybe not. Well, what looked like and was told to everybody was an actual exhibition. Fight. It may have been the greatest work of all time. I still think it's a work. <laughs> it's still real to me. Okay. Um, I actually think that feud of the year. I have two nominees. Okada Omega. Uso's New Day. I, you know, strangely enough, I wouldn't say Okada Omega would be near my top feuds of the year. Because the feud wasn't really about the feud. The feud was about the matches. Uh-huh. And I know that sounds weird, but I didn't feel like Okada and Omega wanted to kill each other, which is what I think of when I think of the word feud and I think of the concept of a feud. So what Okada and Jericho have right now in the short time that they've done it this year. Omega is, and Jericho? Yes, Omega and Jericho. And Okada and Jericho would be fun too. Would be fun, yeah. Uh, so what Jericho and Omega have done this year in the short time that they've been doing it, for me, is much better of a feud than Omega and Kata had. Um, doesn't necessarily mean the match is going to be better. Probably won't, but we'll see. Um, I think if you take it to a broader sense, perhaps LIJ and Chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see... Because that's been going on all year, and we're about to culminate in the Tokyo Dome with Naito and Okada. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so much. Uh, you you could say you could say Bullet Club, and you know, 
Ring of Honor in a way, or you know, Bullet Club and and Jay Lethal, or you know, kind of the Ring of Honor original people. Um, Wagner, Doctor Wagner Jr., and I'm blanking on the person that uh, unmasked him. That was a good one. But in if we're talking about big all time feuds. You know, I really wouldn't say Usa's a New Day either because they've kind of become okay with each other for a good chunk of the year. Hmm. It's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I, I'm just trying to think, what else could we could we put in here? Um, Impact Wrestling and wrestling fans. <laughs> I think that's a feud that goes well beyond 2017. Um, oh, oy um, Cena Reigns? Cena Reigns was really good, and you really felt like those two didn't like each other. I'd say they had the best build of of any got- to one match. I think I would. I don't know if I would necessarily say overall feud because it kind of felt like. We respect each other now at the very end, which is what you knew it was going to be. But maybe the best build to their match. You know, if I had to pick one, I would say everything in the Kevin Owens-Shane McMahon feud. Because I think it has great potential, and I think every step of the way they've done it really well. It's produced some very entertaining matches, the hell in the cell match, the tag team match at class of champions. Um, so I, I would say for me, the most consistently entertaining ongoing feud that wasn't just a one match was Shane and Kevin Owens, Sammy Zayn and Daniel Bryan and all that mixed in. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think that I could I could I could get behind that. Um Yeah, I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Something we talked about doing earlier, worst announcer of the year. Can I name a nominee? Booker T. Oh, that's a good one. Percy Watson. That's a good one, but I don't. I think He's I, made. He has made watching NXT near impossible. True, <laughs> but I give him more, more of a handicap than I do Booker T. Like Booker T should be better. I don't think Booker T cares. <laughs> I, I at this point, I really don't think he does. Why is he still there? You could do that easily without a third person in that. Booth. Now, if we did most hated commentator of the year i would have to say josh barnett because of the whole long beach thing and you're not gonna blame jim ross somebody's got to take the blame some people blame jim ross i think the bucks blamed jim ross probably i think they 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 jim ross has too much respect in this business i think for that and now in to jim ross's credit he also came out and apologized and said listen i made some mistakes yeah we're not perfect it was not a shot at kevin kelly who does the uh, New Japan World uh, English commentary along with Don Callis. Um, but Access TV wanted, as far as pro- uh, broadcasting that event, they wanted their guys, and they stuck by their guys. 
True, and you know the argument is made that they do get a say, seeing as they've brought New Japan to the U.S. in a large part, and they do a lot for it in the U.S. market. And so, they pay a lot of money to broadcast. And that they pay stuff. a lot of money, so they do get a say. And if their say is, "Hey, we want our guys to do it," then you have to respect that. You can disagree with it, but you, at the end of the day, you can't say that it was thievery or anything like that. How about most hated wrestler backstage? Enzo Amore? Might be Enzo Amore. Might be Sexy Star. Could be Sexy Star. I feel like Sexy Star is a leader in the clubhouse. Um, Maybe Leah Rush at one point in time? Elgin's got a lot of drama going on. Um, That he's not necessarily... It's not necessarily his fault. He just kind of confided in the wrong person, you know. Uh, but yeah, Leo Rush for a week. Um, uh, most hated. Yeah, I would have to say just from everything that's come out, uh, uh, Enzo. Yeah, probably Enzo. Um, let's see here. I'm kind of very loosely using. I'll throw one out. I'm very usely taking taking a look at some of these uh, other lists and trying to make some of our own. Because we didn't prepare for this, even though we knew about it. Best brawler of the year. That's so specific. <laughs> and I don't think I honestly know enough about... I don't feel like I watch quite enough New Japan yet to really give you an honest answer. All right, all right, all right. I'll do an easier one. Most Please. overrated of the year overrated wrestler most overrated wrestler got the biggest push despite of earning it gender yes and the only reason i say gender is because i feel like their original intent of boost to the india market and that was a huge story this year and surprise a factor of gender winning the title I think that went out the window when they kept him t- champion as long as they did. Yeah. Um, so Baron would, Corbin is a top contender there. Mm, that's a good point. Who did Baron Corbin hurt? Because <laughs> we know Jinder concussed Finn Balor, yeah. so and then was given a championship for it. So, um, man, Jinder Mahal was champion this year for a while. About most underwhelming. <laughs> Because if you remember, go back and listen to those episodes. I was so excited when he won because it was different. And I was like, WWE is trying something different. And then I realized that was a very foolish thing for me to think. And then you realized they just wanted to bring back the Punjabi prison and the Great Kali. That's the whole reason. Which, as, as fans of the Great Kali on this podcast, we were quite excited to see our favorite Punjab powerhouse back in action. The Punjabi playboy. The, the Great Kali Kiss Cam. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess most overrated would either be Corbin or Kali. Well, Corbin, I don't know if I would say overrated as much as I think underwhelming is a better term for him. Because Corbin has gone up and down a little bit, and but we've seen good flashes from him. Yeah, I mean, and they did pull, in their, you know, defense, they pulled back. They didn't make him champion. They had him lose the Money in the Bank thing. and How about Mojo? Mojo Rawley, because... I don't think he was given enough of a push to say overrated, because everything that they gave him, he did pretty well with. 
Okay, how about since we're we're going long on this one anyways. All right. Biggest burial of the entire year. Of the entire year. From what do you mean like in one night or just long term? Um okay, we'll we'll split this into two. Biggest burial from the promotion itself versus biggest burial from another because of another talent. So, I'm thinking like Cena burying the Nexus back in 2010 type okay. burial. I as far saying, as from another talent right, right, versus uh, buried by the promotion itself. Like buried Like Enzo in, buried on 205 Live until he won the title. Right. Creatively buried versus buried in a match. Yeah. Or, or in a moment. I think creatively buried would be a two-way tie between... And, and if I had to pick one, I'd go with the first one here. Bailey and Finn Balor. And I think if, if you know, in a one match or one moment burial, I would have to choose Finn Balor buried by Kane. Because... That's true. You know, especially everything that happened after with he's not over enough to face Lesnar... It's like, oh my gosh, are these people serious? Like, you put you put the universal strap on them for a reason, and then you misbooked them and then said he wasn't over enough. So I think just from a, an all-around frustration, I think that was the biggest burial, um, you know, of the year momentarily. But overall, creatively, I think if you looked at Bailey's stock, at the beginning of the year and having her losing her hometown and all that to now, uh, even though she went into mania as champion, forgot um, about that entirely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, to, to where she is now, it's just not great. Uh, let's, how about, um, how about, Oh, I just had it and I just lost. How about biggest trivia fact? What will be the biggest trivia fact of 2017? Um, meaning the, in a couple of years, you're going to think back and go, huh, that did really happen. I have a winner for you already. Cause okay. I already forgot it happened. All right. Bray Wyatt wins the WWE championship in 2017 and goes into WrestleMania as champion. Um, Q maggots. <laughs> worst worked feud of the year would be Orton and Wyatt. I would say. Yeah, I'd say for any for the for any major feud that was, ugh. yeah, that was pretty atrocious. Um, but biggest trivia fact, I have another one for you. Go ahead, go for it. Jinder Mahal was the fiftieth WWE champion. You know, Jinder Mahal, like. Trivia, as far as trivia side note, the first time the WWE title changed hands in England. Or outside of the U.S. Or outside of the U.S. Or outside of North America. Outside of North America, because it changed in Canada. But, um, yeah. I would say the biggest trivia thing, I mean more like, you're so surprised it happened that in a couple of years you'll forgot it had happened. You'll get a reminder and go, wow. I don't know. A lot of cool things happen. Cody Rhodes making more money on the indies than he did in WWE. Um, you know, I think a lot of things 
like that were eyes were open to things like that this year. Um. Oh, we didn't even talk about Neville. Remember? Oh Neville? yeah, he's still in the company. Maybe. He hasn't been released yet. He hasn't been released. Not officially. Not officially. Man, I forgot all about Neville. I feel so bad because I would love to see Neville in like ROH New Japan. All right, so let's talk about the May Young Classic happened. The May Young Classic did happen. Um. Ha. How about um, we'll do one more before we do wrestler of the year? Okay. Um, how about biggest rising star of 2017? Lee Brando. Second biggest rising star of 2017. Killian McMurphy. Third biggest rising star of 2017. Um. <laughs> Russell as Santa Claus. <laughs> Man. No. Okay. How about biggest rising star that's not in ACW? <laughs> Lee Brand. Oh, not in at all. Not okay. at all. Not okay. just ex- not. Ex- I don't mean exclusive. I just mean like not in ACW at all. Um, no. The biggest rising star, like most potential going into 2017. You say no. I mean, who did you not know at the end of 2016 that is now? So, who is now really risen up the ranks is now like top, you know, guy guy maybe to look out for in 2018, but a guy who went from obscurity, relative obscurity, and is now much more of a name. I have two. Marty Scroll. That's one of my two. Pete Dunne is my other one. Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne and Marty Scroll are my, actually my two for both. Both reasons are. Pretty similar. Both not really big names. I had heard of Skrull prior to his run uh, in Ring of Honor uh, mm-hmm. and with uh, with the Bullet Club. But he's obviously made a much bigger name for himself. We forgot to mention Jimmy Jacobs in the release. Because he was not an active wrestler for WWE. True. But he but did it, come up with the list. It counts for me. It, it totally counts. does. No, it does. He just wasn't on the list for that reason. But yeah, I would say scroll for, you know, most improved or big, you know, most, uh, I don't want to say most improved. I don't want to say that. I want to say like most, uh, highest climb and far in popularity. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I was getting at. Um, I think scroll is, I think scroll is your winner in that regard, but I think Pete Dunn is right behind him. Um, Tyler Bate did well for himself this year. Adam Page went from, um, that one member of the Bullet Club to, uh, Hung Man. So, you know, that worked out for him. You notice a lot of these have something to do with not being on the main roster of WWE or, uh, not being, you know, top of, well, top of the card really anywhere yet. You know, cause you get, you get pigeon held in wwe like there's no reason why they had a perfect opportunity on smackdown this last week and they should have done it a class of champions but you could give them an excuse for that but they there's no excuse for smackdown the weeks following why rusev shouldn't be tag champion or u.s champion or in the running for the world championship he's not even in the u.s tournament he he's so over right now 
and you just got to strike on that, but they won't. And I'll I'll be surprised if they do anything about it. And no offense to the other guys, but you know he's gonna make everyone more money if he's pushed, and you know because he needs dance partners too. But you're not gonna have a Marty Scroll situation in the WWE. I mean, the last time we had that, it was Daniel Bryan, and they fought tooth and nail to have that not happen and then they said well it's all part of the storyline well no it wasn't in the beginning in the beginning they were really trying to stop it from happening because it didn't fit in their plan then they realized they couldn't stop it and uh you know they just let it happen and so we're you're not going to get a situation like that uh in in wwe you'll get a situation like that in ring of honor uh and hopefully that'll continue um, like we were talking about last week, the, the, the main event sphere in Ring of Honor is rapidly changing, metamorphosing into something a lot different than what it used to be, but not necessarily in the negative. And you'll get stuff like that in New Japan, although in New Japan, they 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 are more so careful to who they give pushes to and how far they push them. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be hard for... for for people outside of that there's there's spots that scrolls in and done to a degree because he's still working with uh you know the english indie promotions to to get that yeah so um wrestler of the year do we have any do we have any uh let let's do it this way how about we we give a couple of honorable mentions Give me, give me some guys that are on your mind. Assuming that you don't have any women's wrestlers in that category at this point, I feel like last year there was an argument to be made. I don't feel like with the way that the female performers have been treated that they are in quite the same spot as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, which is definitely not a shot. Charlotte, Alexa Bliss probably had the best year of of any women's wrestler. Uh, across the board um just based on the work that she's done and the fact that she has been smackdown and raw women's champion in the last year and has had one of the better characters um how do you even define wrestler of the year drawing ability match quality you know who would you say is the best wrestler in the world right now that's so tough i know that's why it's a tough question i can think of like five six top guys but i can't decide between them give me your five or six uh okada because i'm sure mine is in there so go ahead okada aj styles Uh uh-huh um lesnar really okay go on um i almost feel i almost feel like you gotta put in Either, either Roman or Braun, but not both. <laughs> Why not both? This is okay. this is arbitrary. Okay, Roman and Braun, and then uh, Kenny Omega. Okay, I was waiting for that one. Um, Cody Rhodes. Okay. You got everybody. That you feel comfortable with? I'm, I'm doing... Let me think for just one more second here. Okay, so if I start talking and yes, giving names... I can, I can think. Okay. So thus far, 
we have Kazuchika Okada, Kenny Omega, AJ Styles, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman. Um, I'm missing two people already. Cody Rhodes. Did you say Lesnar? And Lesnar. So that's seven. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, okay. That's eight. Naito. Okay. I had a feeling Naito was probably near on that list. And I'll just do one more just to make it top ten. Right? Yeah. Give me a second. Let me (laughs) run through everybody. There's a lot of wrestlers out there. This is true. I don't know. Who do you got? Well, you name the guys that I would pick. Um, I I think this one is a little bit more clear. So I just pulled up PWI's t- uh, 500, the PWI 500, which is we've used. We talked about this back in uh, August mm-hmm. when this was released. And you pretty much almost exclusively named their top 10, give or take a few people. Um Brock Lesnar's not in their top 10. Uh, Naito is at 12 for some reason. Um, well, Naito for that period of time, I think, makes some sense, but even still. Um, guys, you didn't mention Ambrose, Nakamura. Uh, they had Neville at 11, which I forgot all about. Um, so let's see here. Brock Lesnar was at 25, so he was the lowest of the people that you named. Oh, you no, know, excuse me. Braun Strowman is nowhere. He's 34. So... I might put in... Here, Here's... I'm going to give you... It's tough because there's a lot of really good wrestlers, but they weren't necessarily given the platform this year to, to shine. So, like, Rollins is a really good wrestler. But 2017 wasn't his year. 2017... I mean, he had the WrestleMania match, but then he was quickly relegated to you know tag team and and reunion of the shield and and well that that. it was more more recently remember he was kind of in and out of the title picker picture picker picker and um he he was in that fatal five way that we saw at extreme rules yeah and was basically back and forth with samoa joe or yeah and samoa uh, joe's a guy that almost hit that level like i would put rollins and joe in the same kind of almost right there but maybe in 2018 they'll really do it. You know, like, I could see either of those guys being the title bearer for either show. So I'm going to give you the two guys who I believe are the correct answer. Kazuchika Okada and AJ Styles. The two guys who maybe had the best 2017s. Yeah. And Omega would be just outside of my top two. And the reason being is he has not quite been on the same level as Okada. Just, just because they're positioning more than anything else. But Okada's had like one or two more classic matches than Omega has had. If you, I agree, Okada and Styles are the top two that, if I had to narrow it down to two, I would pick them. And then if you compare them, Okada's been champion the entire year. He's had great main event matches with everybody he stepped into the ring with, 
whether they were main event caliber or not. And the same. Just look at his said. Shibata match. Outside of obviously the the repercussions that look we at his found. bad luck Fale match, right. which was good. You know, and to the same extent, Styles has had great matches with everybody he's got in the ring with. But the people he's been given generally have been, you know, worldwide superstars. Not necessarily what Okada's been in the ring with, which only sometimes were superstars. Um, And then, you know, AJ Styles hasn't been champion all year, which is a nominal thing. But Okada has been carrying New Japan on his back. As the champion, he's really been carrying that company to one of its best years ever. I believe they're up almost 20% as far as revenue goes this year. I think it's 17% or something like that. Um, their attendance is up. You know, they're, They made landfall in the U.S. successfully, and they're going to do it again in 2018. So if I had to pick wrestler of the year between the two... I would have to go with Okada. I agree. I think uh, Styles has been not as well utilized, but I mean, I also think that Styles and Okada both do something very similar, and that I think you can put them in the match with almost anybody, and they're going to get a really good match out of that time period that they've got. So Styles and Okada for the same reasons, but I got to give it to Okada because Okada is. Very possibly coming up, if he's coming up on one of the longest uh, single title reigns they've ever had. Well, by this point, he should have had it for about 15 or 16 months. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, his reign is up there. Yeah, it's it's definitely up there. Um, I'm quickly looking to see if I can find... Uh, let's see here. Combined reigns. Oh, actually, by the time, um, by the time, um, well, what am I trying to get to? By the time Wrestle Kingdom happens, he will have actually had the title for more combined days than anyone else. But that's combined. No, that's combined. And he's also coming up on a run of successful title defenses consecutively. Which I think he's actually pretty close to beating. Um, let's see. I'm trying to quickly m- make this work. Um, oh, well, there you go. Uh, his his title reign is currently the longest um, in in history. Uh, 557 plus days. Which, wow. that's as of today. So by the time Wrestle Kingdom rolls around, if you were to lose it, that will have been over 560 days at that point so and he's held it since june of 2016 i forgot how he hadn't um it's like more like 18 months i guess yeah if you count up the last couple of sleeper months not that they were necessarily sleeper months but the slower months for new japan uh yeah he will have made it to like 18 19 months and it's not like he necessarily hasn't been defending he defended at power struggle against uh evil yeah, I mean, it's a testament to his title reign because, you know, a lot of the... I remember when Cena had the championship for, like, a, over a year, and it just got really old and really stale, you know. And um, Punk had it for over a year in 2012, but 
he had to turn heel halfway through to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't have to, but he did. Yeah. Uh, Okada has been doing more or less the same act for 18 months, and it's remained fresh, and it's remained entertaining. And he's so freaking over. <laughs> like, it's it's crazy. So the lo- the most consecutive title defense, or the most title defenses in one reign uh, is currently held by Tanahashi, who held the belt for 404 days in total, defended it successfully 11 times. Okada, this will be his ninth title defense coming up at Wrestle Kingdom. If he hangs on to it, he will move into a tie for fourth with Shinya Hashimoto for the, uh, excuse me, tie for third, tie for, third. for the third most uh, at nine. And then he's currently tied for fourth with himself. Yes, he is currently tied for fourth with himself. Uh, his second title reign, uh, which was also 391 days. That's why he's got the most days held. Uh, Okada is insane. Um, is he 30 yet? He just turned 30. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, Okada, isn't it crazy that he was in TNA? <laughs> <sighs> that's, going <to> be, <laughs> that's going to be the biggest kick themselves moments when that company uh, you know, eventually goes out of business or becomes great again. And, and they were going to be like, we had Okada for, what was it, like, 04? They had him from or, 2010, or 2010 to I mean. 2011. Yeah. Um, so they didn't have him for very long. But as soon as he went back to New Japan, just something happened. Um, and, of course, he's been going back and forth with Tanahashi forever. So, quite interesting. Yeah, I think Okada wins. I don't think there's any way around it. Yeah, and... Um... What I would, you know, I think for... we're really, we're really just, you know, not realizing how amazing this year was, especially for Okada, and this well, might not ever happen again in our lifetime. We'll get like to that. talk about 2017 as a year for New Japan Pro Wrestling when we host a panel live in front of a studio audience, in front of a panel audience, two days. After ACW and Glen Burnie, we will be at the National Harbor. We will be at KatsuCon 2018. That's right. Presenting a 2017 year in review of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Wrestle Kingdom 11, all the way through Wrestle Kingdom 12, including what should be a fantastic night for Wrestle Kingdom 12. As I just mentioned, uh, we are currently scheduled for sunday look at the segues currently scheduled for sunday uh february 18th at uh 1 p.m uh we'll give you more updates on that as we go along we got a nice panel hall we're gonna have a whole presentation we want you to be there we want you to come see we want you to even if you know everything about new japan wrestling we want you to come and enjoy this stella year Bay Bay. <laughs> That's my thing. <laughs> no, uh, that was that is Adam Cole, baby. In the flesh, baby. Um, on to Wrestle Kingdom twelve, which is next to, week. Yes, next week we're finally getting there. Uh, this is possibly for wrestling dweebs across the world dweebs. the second biggest show of the year, maybe the biggest depending on how hipster you are. 
This is... If last Wrestle Kingdom was any precursor to the 2017 year of wrestling, then this Wrestle Kingdom has a lot riding on it. If it's going to be your first impression in 2018, what a card it is. Let's run through the card, Ryan. All right. Opening match. New Japan Rumble. No big surprise here. They always start with the New Japan Rumble. Um, Billy Gunn's going to win. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big prediction. Um, The first match of the night after the New Japan Rumble, so the first actual match, will be for the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championships. Champions Yo and Sho, uh, Rapongi 3K. Versus Matt and retired pro wrestler Nick Jackson. <laughs> the Young Bucks. That was an inside joke. Of the Bullet Club. Uh, who's wins? Do we, do we really think... Do we think that the... Now, Matt and Nick Jackson are, of course, full-time ROH, but working relationship. Is this just I a way to get... I can see either way. Rapongi 3K just won those belts at Power Struggle. I could see it going either way. Okay. So, I actually think it's Rapongi 3K. Uh, although, I, you can't... I don't never upset at the Young Bucks winning a championship anymore. Um, our next match, the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship match, will be, which will be a gauntlet match. The champions, Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, Gorillas of Destiny, along with Bad Luck Fale, will defend against Taguchi, Juice Robinson, Makabe, also Beretta, Yano, Ishii, also Hanson, Rowe, and Elgin, War Machine plus uh, Mike Logan, also Suzuki Gun, um, of course Zack Sabre Jr. featured heavily on that team. They're not going to be busy the rest of the night after this, so who's walking out of here as champion? Just as a reminder, the Gorillas of Destiny plus Bad Luck Fale just won those belts. Uh, on the road to uh, Tokyo Dome show they had just a couple weeks ago. I'm going to go with Beretta, Yano, and uh, uh, Ishii. Any other reason than that would just be the greatest celebration we've ever seen? No, that's the only reason. (laughs) Okay, I'm fine with that. Uh, Also, murmurs that War Machine might be going to WWE, which we talked about a little bit last week. That's right, we broke that on the show last week. Yep, we we broke it. Um, We broke it. Special single match, which will no longer be for the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship, as Kota Ibushi takes on Cody, a feud that has gotten a bit personal, seeing as how there's no title on the line. Uh, of course, Cody will be joined by Burndy Rhodes. Yes. Um, you know, I, arguably it's more interesting now that Cody, now that the Ring of Honor title isn't on the line. We talked about this last week a little bit too, after Final Battle, because... Cody with Brandy Rhodes without a title on the line suddenly means this match is a little less predictable. Yeah, so I'm going to have to go with uh, Cody. Cody probably wins this match, although it depends. Kota Ibushi is... I guess it kind of depends on what they want to do with Kota Ibushi after this. Well, you know, Ibushi is very uh, here and there to begin with. So it's not like he's a company man. Kota Ibushi could absolutely have been... Okada may not be on the run he's on if Kota Ibushi had just been like, I want to be world champion. But he doesn't seem interested. No, he's having a good time. He's enjoying himself. Good for you, Kota Ibushi. I wish you had had a little more time in WWE. Just a little bit. Next match after that, IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. 
Davey Boy Smith Jr., Lance Archer, defending against Sonata and Evil. Sonata and Evil, of course, winning the World Tag League, getting themselves this title shot. Sonata and Evil. Agreed. Um, never open weight championship match. This one is very interesting for a couple of reasons. It is a hair versus hair match. And Chaos and Suzuki Gun are barred from ringside. So Minoru Suzuki must go it alone against Hiroki Goto. Who's winning this? Who can you actually see losing their hair? I'm pretty sure Suzuki's going to be bald by the end of the night. Yeah, I was going to say Goko. Goto. (laughs) Um, I was going to say Hiroshi. Right? Haruki. Why can't I? You're, you're, I'm... Haruki Goto is the name of the person that is going to win the match. Agreed. Let's move on, (laughs) shall we? This is a little easier, I think. Is there water service down here? IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship Fatal 4-Way Match. Well, four-way match. No, Fatal 4-Way is apparently WWE branded. Trademarked. Trademarked. Cease and desist, Ryan. Marty Skrull, the champion, will defend against Will Ospreay, Kushida, and Takahashi. It uh, doesn't say with Daryl, but we know Daryl will probably be there. Um, Remember when Daryl died? Yeah, that was, was a sad be, day. That was a sad day. Uh, Skrull retains. Agreed. I don't think they put the belt back on Kushida yet. I think Marty Skrull retaining makes sense, although Marty Skrull is full-time ROH. So, I don't know if that means anything. Well, they got a good working relationship. You could, I don't foresee you could the put it on Takahashi. Or you could put it on Daryl. That would be great. He he climbs in and makes the pin. He's a junior heavyweight. He is. He's uh he's below what it, what is it? What is it? 220. 220 is, is that is that junior heavyweight uh, cutoff. 220 money is their 205 live. Yes, that's exactly what it is. The IWGP Intercontinental Championship, Hiroshi Tanahashi defends his belt against the challenger, Jay White. Jay White might be his time. You know, with everything going on injury-wise with Tanahashi, I think this might be a huge night for Jay White. It very well might be. Uh, The IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship, no disqualification match, a match we're probably looking the most forward to. Kenny Omega, the first U.S. heavyweight champion, defends against one Alpha, Chris Jericho, whose picture is not on NJPW1972.com. This can only end if, in Jer- blood. if Jericho wins. This has to build to a Winnipeg death match. Is that really going to be a thing, though? Like, are I we. Hope. No, I don't know. If it's a one-night thing, you know, I don't think Jericho wins. But, you know, he did the same thing with the U.S. title at WrestleMania. That's true. And there's nothing saying Jericho doesn't lose the belt immediately after. Right. So, interesting matchup. Do you say Omega or Jericho? Uh, Oh, Omega. Okay. Omega. I I agree with you, although this should be at least an entertaining match. Even if it's not a five-star, this will be an entertaining matchup. And, of course, your main event of the evening, the ninth match on what is a stacked card, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Kazuchika Okada puts his record-setting reign on the line against the winner of the 2017 G1 Climax, 
Tetsuya Naito. These two, of course, have faced off before. And since then, Naito has actually had a very big resurgence. He is incredibly over, very well loved by the crowd. Uh, Okada, also very well loved by the crowd. It will be interesting to see what they do. The Japanese crowds tend to be a little bit quieter during matches, but when it's two heavy fan favorites, not so much. Okada, Naito, Chaos, or... L.I.J. L.I.J. Who's winning? Naito. Really? I'm putting the money down. Naito. I think Okada retains. We largely. I wouldn't largely... even be mad. I wouldn't even be mad. But <laughs> I think it would be a good time for Naito to win. I agree. I think it would be a good time for Naito to win. But he won't do it! Because we got to get to 600 days for Okada. I mean, I'd be fine with Okada being champion for all of 2018. I think it would be great. Who else does... Well, because that's the trick, is they do such a good job and they don't put them against each other every single week on their product Yeah, that you can see where, oh, there's still plenty of people left to go. Plenty of people. Plenty of people that can be quickly groomed to be in that main event picture also. So, here's hoping for a wonderful, wonderful Wrestle Kingdom. I'm excited. We are going to be up at some ungodly hour watching this. That's true. Whatever the whatever hour is the least godly, we'll be there. Apparently, it's 2 a.m. because that's when it's starting for yeah. us. It's 3.33 a.m. It might be, although I'm, yeah, I don't know. I think that was in some movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> last... Last thing, because I don't think we talked about it last week. Vince McMahon selling 4.3% of his WWE stock yeah. for about $100 million to put into a, a separate business called Alpha Entertainment, which will... That is going to be the... This is going to be the truck we back up to Kenny Omega to get him to come to WWE. That's what the Alphas meant this whole time. Um... Yeah, you know, actually, technically, Vince McMahon, if he just started the company, he would have had to begin the paperwork starting this company months ago. So he would have used the alpha name before Jericho. But that's nonetheless. Um, he, t- he starts this company to, I guess, the official statement was pursue uh, different avenues of sports entertainment and not excluding professional football. Or something along those lines. So, also coupled with the fact that XFL trademarks have been re-upped, could this mean a new football league is in the making, a la the XFL, which was the biggest blunder, the biggest blemish on Vince McMahon's CV? Could he want retribution at 73 years old or whatever he is? Could he want to take down the teetering NFL. Well, teetering is a very, very relative term. You're still talking about a five to... You're you're talking about a two to ten billion dollar enterprise at this point. True, but... And each of those teams... the worst year that it's had in a long time. And each of those teams is worth about a billion... Uh, anywhere between 800 to... 800 million to 2 billion apiece. True. Um, if they were to go on sale. 
Uh, which the uh, you know Panthers I would like be. I would like to point out that the Panthers are actually being are seeking sale at this point in time. And you know who's from North Carolina originally? Who's that? One Vincent Kennedy McMahon. I don't think he's going to do that because I think Vince wants to be the head guy in charge. I also he does. I also don't think the owners would approve it. True. The NF other Depends NFL on owners how bad they wanted to sell. That is true. They might want to get it under the under the rug. But a hundred million, like you said, is probably one eighth or one seventh of that. No, sale. he wouldn't be able to buy it on his own. But it could be the start of an investment group that. Uh, a group of investors where he would be kind of the lead investor and would come together and buy a, buy a team. Most teams in the NFL and with big sports teams like this nowadays are bought and sold that way. It's incredibly rare that somebody can come in and buy the entirety of a team right. on their own. The There's only guy who's really Jerry done Jones. it, Steve Ballmer, who recently bought the L.A. Clippers yeah. uh, a, a few years ago. He paid $2 billion of his own money, but he was worth $20 billion. So the Microsoft money worked out well for him. So yeah. that's a different scenario. Vince McMahon has a lot of money, but he doesn't have buy a football team on my own and still have cash or leftover money. No, he, he, if he sold all of his stock, maybe. Maybe. I think it's very possible. Now, who knows what they're doing? We'll find out sometime soon. I don't see another football league being started. I, but you could see where Vince McMahon that's always bothered him. I think he's going to try. I don't know if it means it's going to be arena football. I don't know if it means it's going to be one franchise of the NFL. But I think that with everything, everything how it looks, television stations, streaming services, they want live sporting content and more than ever there's a need for content and the ratings that the xfl was getting in 2001 though they were a laughing stock back then by today's standards they'd be okay and if you started a small league with fifty thousand dollar a year players you could do something along those lines i don't know what he's thinking Sources say he'll announce something in January. We'll see. Uh, we'll see where it goes. But this, you know, it's going to be a crazy year in 2018 if we have this announcement of a XFL or UFL or whatever he's going to call it. Um, plus the UFC and WWE television right deals. You know, that's going to be a crazy year for as far as the the business. And make no mistake. Whatever Vince does, whether it's in a different company or in different sport altogether, is going to eventually trickle back and affect the wrestling business. Well, when you're Vince McMahon, that's what happens. Okay, we've gone well past time, but... Good, it's a holiday special, New Year's, end of year extravaganza, you know, potpourri episode. You can listen to this while you're getting over your hangover on the first. That's true. Or, or if you're like me and you don't drink, then you just listen to this because you enjoy it. Ryan's the same. He doesn't drink alcohol. He doesn't drink caffeine. He doesn't swear. And I've done all that in the last five minutes. <laughs> uh, it's, that's, there's, a very, there's a very good reason for that. 
it's it's because I'm straight edge, and that means I'm better than you. Did you hear it? Did you hear what I have to put up with every <laughs> single day of my life? Thank you very much. Do you have anything you'd like to leave the kind folks uh, who have stuck it out with us for some reason, um, both in this episode and through the year to this point? Well, I hope you enjoyed it somewhat. I hope you heard something along the way that was, uh, you know, educational, something you didn't know, some good insight, something you laughed about, something you cried about, something you cringed at, something you smiled at. Uh, We're going to go strong into 2018. No signs of stopping. Our next week's episode will be pretty much a live review of Wrestle Kingdom as we'll be crammed into a hotel room in the middle of the night watching that live. Um, I was going to ask if you even wanted to do that, but now you've teased it. Now I've teased it. Now we we have to do it. Uh, You know, we've got the Katsukan panel coming up where we're going to reveal or review uh, Japanese wrestling, specifically New Japan's year in 2017. Uh, You know, and then we've got right around, right before that, the Royal Rumble, right after that, WrestleMania. So that's the big time of year. So. You know, this little project that we were just going to do for us is now becoming this bigger and better thing, and uh, 2018 is going to be really good. We're just going to keep at it. Thanks, Ryan, for uh, sticking with it and working with my schedule, which isn't always easy. And, uh, you know, you'll come out, support indie wrestling, come see me wrestle, come come go go to indie wrestling shows even if I'm not there. Just... Wrestling is on the rise. Ring of Honor had its best year ever by far. New Japan, one of its best years in the company's history. Uh, WWE, uh, you know, uh, revenue up, albeit due to TV rights fees, but no signs of stopping. So wrestling is on the rise and better than ever. So thanks for sticking it out with Over the Barricade in 2017. Please do it in 2018, and please listen to the plugs at the end of the show. Yeah, what he said. See you guys in 2018. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash barricade show. Follow us on Twitter at barricade show. You can listen to the show each and every week at soundcloud.com slash barricade show or search for over the barricade podcast on iTunes and Google play. Follow Lee Brando on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram at Lee Brando underscore and send him a friend request on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando. And don't forget you can send us an email over the barricade podcast at gmail.com. Send in your suggestions. We'll see you next week.